Welcome to Words of the Wise, an introduction to the book of Proverbs by Dr. Jacques B. Ducan. Edited for audio by the Ambassador Group. Exploration 6. What you get is not what you see. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs 14, verse 12, New King James Version. The Apostle Paul said, We see through a glass, darkly. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. We see so little, and what we do see always comes filtered through our own minds. Our eyes and ears, all our senses actually, give us only a narrow view of what's really out there. We can be deceived, too, not only about the external world, but about ourselves as well. Our dreams, our views, and our opinions can give us very distorted images of what we are really like, and of all deceptions that can be by far the worst. What should we do then to protect ourselves from these deceptions? The book of Proverbs provides us with basic counsel. We should not trust ourselves as the fool does. On the contrary, we should trust the Lord, who controls the course of events even when all seems to go wrong. We need to live by faith, and not merely by sight, because our sight can be very deceptive, showing only a small portion of what is real, and then even worse, distorting the little it does show us. Assurance of the Fool Proverbs 14 describes a fool. This is a long set of proverbs. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. He that walketh in the uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean but much increase is by the strength of the ox. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A scorner seeketh wisdom, and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. Go from the presence of a foolish man, when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of the fools is deceit. Fools make a mock at sin, but among the righteous there is favor. The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. The house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. The simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. A wise man feareth, and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth, and is confident. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow before the good, 
and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not err that devise evil? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. The crown of the wise is in their riches, but the foolishness of the fools is folly. A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to depart from the snares of death. In the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoureth him hath mercy on the poor. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding but that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causeth shame. The fool speaks proudly. The first depiction of the fool deals with his proud speech. The image of a rod associated with the fool's lips implies his eventual punishment. His proud words have resulted in a blow on his lips, an outcome that is seen in contrast with the lips of the wise, which are preserved. We can compare Daniel 7, verse 8 in the New King James Version. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth, speaking pompous words. Verses 6 through 9 say that the fool mocks wisdom, although the fool seems to seek wisdom. In fact, he does not believe in it and is skeptical of it. He will not find it because, in his own mind, there is no wisdom apart from himself. Most frightful is his attitude toward violation of the law. What could be more deadly than mocking the idea of sin? The fool is credulous. Proverbs 14.15 Paradoxically, while the fool makes fun of those idealists who still believe in the values of wisdom, he has lost his ability to think critically about what he hears. He believes every word. The irony of this situation strikes at the heart of secular society. Skeptical people mock God and make fun of religion, claiming that these beliefs are for children and old people. Yet they themselves often believe in some of the most foolish things, such as the creation of life on earth by pure chance alone. The fool is impulsive. Proverbs 14, verses 16 and 29 say, A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Because the fool believes that he has the truth within himself, he does not take time to think. His reaction will be quick, dictated mostly by impulse. 
The fool oppresses others. Proverbs 14, 21, and 31. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. He that oppresseth the poor reproaches his master, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. The mechanisms of oppression and intolerance are suggested in the psychology of the fool. He is intolerant of others and will treat them with contempt. Here are a few fascinating examples. Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand, until a time and times and the dividing of time. And Daniel 8 verses 11 and 12 tell us, Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of the sanctuary was cast down, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. It's easy to see the traits of a fool in others, but what about in our own selves? Consider your own life. Do you have any of these character flaws? Might you need first to seek by God's grace to overcome? The Fear of the Wise Remember what Proverbs 14 says about the wise? Perhaps you might remember that the wise speak humbly. The wise restrain the use of their lips. Their silent reflection is motivated by a lack of arrogant self-assurance. With the wise, the other person may be right. Therefore, the wise will take time to think through and weigh the evidence. They are also silent because they are listening, ready to learn from others. Verse 6 and 18 say that the wise value learning and knowledge. It is difficult for the fool to learn because it is hard for him to sit at the feet of a teacher. In contrast, it is easy for the wise to learn because of their humility. They will thus enjoy the experience of learning and growing. It is also this search for wisdom, for something that they do not have, which makes them wise. Verse 15 says that the wise are cautious. The wise know that sin and evil exist. Therefore, they will be careful where they walk. They will not trust their feelings and personal opinions. They will check things out and ask for advice. Yet they will always be careful about what other people say to them. They will sort out the good from the bad. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Test all things. Hold fast what is good. The wise are calm. Proverbs 14.29 and 33 in the New King James Version says, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. The wise can stay quiet because they do not rely on their own ways, but depend on above. Proverbs 14.14 14, New King James Version says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. It is their faith in God that allows them to relax and exercise self-control. Isaiah 30.15 says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest shall ye be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. It is the fear of God that gives him confidence.
Proverbs 14.26 in the Amplified Bible promises, In the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children shall always have a place of refuge. The wise are compassionate and sensitive. Proverbs 14.21 and 31 say, He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. And verse 31, He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. The two commandments that Jesus spoke, You shall love the Lord your God, and you shall love your neighbor, are linked. Mark 12, 30 and 31, New King James Version. We can't love God and at the same time treat other people poorly. The greatest expression of our faith is how we deal with others, especially those in need. We do not realize how many of us walk by sight and not by faith. We believe the things that are seen, but do not appreciate the precious promises given us in His Word. The reference is Ellen G. White, Our High Calling, page 85. What does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight? How are we supposed to do that? The Eyes of the Lord The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Proverbs 15, New King James Version How does this text make you feel, and why? In the next two chapters in Proverbs, the tone changes. These chapters are more theological than the preceding ones. The Lord is referenced more often than in the previous Proverbs. We are also told something amazing about him, that his eyes are in every place, Proverbs 15, verse 3. This acute consciousness of the Lord's presence is precisely what the ancient Israelites called the fear of the Lord. The same association is found in the Psalms. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, Psalm 33:18, New King James Version. Likewise, Job describes God as the one who looks to the ends of the earth and sees all that happens under the heavens. Job 28, verse 24. Because of this, Job concludes that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. Job 28, verse 28. This proverb reminds us of God's ability to see good and evil, no matter where they are. As Solomon understood, 1 Kings 3, 9, true wisdom is the ability to discern between good and evil. On a human level, This awareness should help us remember always to do good and never evil. For God sees all that we do, even if no one else does. We fool ourselves, thinking that because, for now, we get away with evil, that we really do get away with it. In the long run, we never do. Let us, therefore, be diligent, for there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eye of him to whom we must give account. Hebrews 4.13, New King James Version. Let's consider these three key texts. Proverbs 15.3, 
Isaiah 5.20, and Hebrews 5.14. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Isaiah 5.20 says, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And Hebrews 5.20 says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What crucial message do these verses have for us? Especially in an age when the very concepts of good and evil are often blurred, with people claiming that good and evil are relative or just human ideas that have no objective existence apart from what we say they are. What is so wrong with such a notion of good and evil? And why is it so dangerous to hold? The joy of the Lord. Listen to Proverbs 15. Why is joy such an important human asset? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doth not so. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the bright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord, how much more than the hearts of the children of men? A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Better is little with the fear of the Lord, and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is, than a stalled ox, and hatred therewith. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Without counsel 
purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is! The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. The ear that heareth the reproof of life abiding among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. The scripture does not promise us a life without trials. As Jesus himself said, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, 34, New King James Version. Proverbs fifteen fifteen explains that amid evil days, the one who maintains a merry heart will have a better time of it. Pain, suffering, and trials will come, and often we can't control when and how. What we can control, at least to some degree, is how we choose to respond. Proverbs 15 verses 14 and 23 reveal God's part in this joy. Verse 15 says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Verse 23. Although the biblical text does not explicitly mention the reason for joy, the parallel thought between verses 13 and 14 suggests that the merry heart is the heart of him who has understanding. It is the heart of the one who has faith and sees redemption beyond the immediate ordeal. This is why faith in God is so important. This is why it is so crucial that we know for ourselves, from our own experience, the reality of God and His love. Then, whatever trials come, whatever suffering we face, those with understanding can endure because they know for themselves God's love. Proverbs 15.23 brings us another important idea. Joy comes more from what we give than from what we receive. It is the good word shared with others that will bring joy to the giver. Who hasn't experienced the blessings that come from blessing others, whether in word or in deed or both? As we have already seen in Proverbs, our words are powerful. They can do great good or great evil. And how much better it is when they do great good, not only for the one whom the good is done, but for the one who does it. How well do you know yourself by experience, God's love? What could you do that would help to open your heart even wider to experience every day God's love? Can you imagine how much better life would be if you knew the reality of God's love?
the sovereignty of God. We all dream and make plans, and yet things turn out differently, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. The Bible acknowledges the value of human responsibility and freedom. Yet the Bible also affirms God's control over the course of events. We find references to God's control and sovereignty in Proverbs 20, 24. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. And Daniel chapters 2 and 7. Daniel chapter 2. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep brake from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians, and the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king, in Syriac, O king, Live for ever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream, and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts, and rewards, and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream, and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time, because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, till the time be changed. Therefore, Tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. Verse 10 The Chaldeans answered before the king, and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore there is no king, lord nor ruler, that asks such a thing at any magician, or astrologer, or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king, except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and very furious, and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with the counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Verse 20 Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God for ever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. 
He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen, and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king, and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter, and he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. Verse 30 But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and beheld, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest, till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, and the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. Verse 40 and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, for there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. 
And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay and silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face, and worshipped Daniel, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel, and said, Of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man, and gave him many great gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Daniel chapter 7 In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the son of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold the four winds of the heavens drove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. The first was like a lion, and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake into pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by its roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of man, and a mouth, speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued, and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Verse 10 A fiery stream issued, and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. 
I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by, and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me, and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom, and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. Verse 20 And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down, and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first. He shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. They shall be given into his hand until a time and times, and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion, to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion, and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Proverbs 16 verse 1 says, The preparations of the heart in man, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. How do we understand this verse? We prepare and make plans, but the last word still belongs to God. This does not mean that our preparations are worthless. But in the life of faith, if we just submit our plans to God, Proverbs 16 verse 9 assures us that he will work with them and promises us that our plans will be directed. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Our plans will ultimately be established by him. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, 
Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Even the work of our enemies will be used in our behalf. Proverbs 16:4 and 7 say, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, the Lord maketh even a man's enemies to be at peace with him. Though these are not simple ideas to grasp, especially when we face difficult situations, they should give us comfort and help us to learn to trust God, even when things seem to go terribly wrong and when our plans don't turn out as we had hoped. The key point for us is to learn to surrender all to God. If we do that, we can be sure of His guidance, even in the hardest times. Is there a place for ambition in human success? Yes, but only if done with an attitude of humility and submissiveness to God. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19 say, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. As always, the Bible warns against pride. After all, as fallen beings, what do we have to be proud of? What vice is more contrary to God than pride, the original sin? Ezekiel 28 verse 17 reveals Lucifer's self-driven demise. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Let's continue exploring. From the beginning, Satan has portrayed to men the gains to be won by transgression. Thus he seduced angels. Thus he tempted Adam and Eve to sin. And thus he is still leading multitudes away from obedience to God. The path of transgression is made to appear desirable, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. Happy are they who... Having ventured in this way, learn how bitter are the fruits of sin, and turn from it betimes. The reference for those insights is Ellen G. White, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 720. She also wrote this wise counsel in her book entitled The Ministry of Healing, page 251. Nothing tends more to promote health of body and of soul than does a spirit of gratitude and praise. It is a positive duty to resist melancholy, discontented thoughts and feelings, as much a duty as it is to pray. If we are heaven-bound, how can we go as a band of mourners groaning and complaining all along the way to our Father's house? Those professed Christians who are constantly complaining and who seem to think cheerfulness and happiness a sin have not genuine religion. Here are a few thoughts to consider and contemplate. Do you believe that God is ultimately in control of the universe 
and of the circumstances in your life? If you do, why is it important to understand the reality of human free will and free choice? Though the concepts of human free choice and God's sovereignty seem to be in contradiction, both are taught in the Bible. How do you reconcile and make sense of these concepts? Admittedly, we have only a limited view of reality. What does this mean to have a limited view? What things are out there that we know are real, yet we just can't sense them in any way? For instance, how many radio waves, cell phone calls, satellite programs, and radio programs are in the air all around you right now, and yet you can't see, hear, or feel them at all? How should the existence of such realities help us understand how limited our senses are? How does understanding this reality help you realize the reality of other things that you can't see, such as angels? Let's pray. Lord, you have created us with infinite potential. In your time and in your sovereignty, please nurture us to trust your wisdom and to live trusting you to care for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. ambassadorgroup.org This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.